Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. Chapter 13 Triple Attack Toriburu Attack The navigator on board the Zodiac reported that he detected a ship at 3 o'clock. Cray ordered the vessel to be identified. It's an Argama class. Cray realized that the ship with the Freak Mobile Suit Squadron was at it again. He asked if there were any other ships. No, it's the only ship. Is it just a scout team? Either way, we can't let them interrupt the operation. Notify Penta and get those shuttles launched as soon as possible. Cray ordered the Zodiac to be prepared for launch. The connections were released from the Brave, and the Zodiac fired its enormous thrusters. The new decides forces aboard Penta began to work frantically. Cray ordered the bullet run and the Sekio out of the port. The hallways to the port area were filled with the sounds of humans. Josh Offshore could only lean against the wall and wait. He pulled down the bandages wrapped around his head and slowly opened his eyes. The incoming strong white light hurt his eyes and caused them to tear nonstop. He clenched his teeth to endure the pain and tried to look at the world surrounding him. All he could see were blue figures flashing past in the corridor, which he concluded were near to size uniforms. He felt a handle beside him and saw the rough outline of the word security troops written on it. Offshore quickly into the room. If the cabins here were set up as they should be, this one should contain what he was looking for. After groping around extensively for quite some time, he felt a small red window. He used his fist to break the window glass, pulled the switch, and re retrieved a plastic riot gun from inside. He stuffed the gun into his chest pocket, then continued to rush to the space shuttle's boarding entrance. The Pegasus III operations officer informed Heathrow that there was a large object was heading inbound. Heathrow demanded to ID the vessel. It was the size of an enemy cruiser, but accelerated at a great rate of speed. Is this a mobile armor? How could it be so huge? Evade! Accelerate as quickly as you can! Cray had already expected this and said it would be too late to try to evade. The Zodiac opened up and revealed its mega particle cannon. Side shouted that the Pegasus was now line of sight. The open jaw of the Zodiac emitted a blinding white light. Cray fired, and two rays of hot white light were shot and converged into one point in space and shot towards the Argama class cruiser. The ship was rocked, and all of the troops on board the ship were tossed forwards and to the left. The ship's warning system went off, illuminating its interior, and the ear-piercing emergency alarm was sounded. All sections damage report! On the bridge, the red light of the emergency power supply had lit automatically. Heathrow shouted as he floated back to his commander's chair. A gigantic figure then passed by the right side of the bridge at an astonishing speed. There is absolutely no way to identify what kind of machine it was. All hands, level one battle stations, put on your normal suits. We'll command from the combat bridge, Heathrow ordered. Manning realized that his role was limited. The battles of today belong to the soldiers of the future. 
those of the old generation like him could only do their best to make full use of their remaining worth. The new era would be created by the younger generation. He was no longer playing a leading role. All he could do now was act as a supporting cast. What? The Pegasus III was attacked? Are you sure? Upon receiving notification of his mother's ship, Roots was suspicious. How could the enemy have predicted their surprise attack? Damn it! Another trap! If our commander was really an elite graduate of the Advanced Officer School, why can't we depend on him? Crypt said. Should we go back to Pegasus? West said worriedly. It was a natural thought upon discovering that one's mothership was under attack. Heather received a damage report. The Pegasus III's main starboard engine had been completely scraped off, leaving the vessel with only half its propulsion force. Also, part of the living area had been destroyed and several casualties had been reported. Heather was stunned. He could not believe that one round could cause that much damage. Commander, we've got an unauthorized launch of the starboard catapult. The navigation officer's report interrupted his train of thought. Who is it? The Nero Squadron? However, the Nero Squadron still being repaired. Just as Heathrow realized that the pilot's image was transmitted to the monitor. Mannings! Commander, I'm going to launch. It's up to me now. But that Nero is just a trainer suit. Commander, didn't you say yesterday that if it became necessary, even I'll have to launch? That was... Even if it was a joke, so be it. Currently, we can only depend on this Nero. The Pegasus III can't hold up against another round of fire. As a soldier, it's an honor to die in battle. Mang saluted and the image of the monitor was cut off. Wait a minute, Mannings! It's too late. The catapult has already switched to automatic mode, the control officer shouted. Mannings, moving out. The catapult fiercely shot the mobile suit out into space. The Nero gradually moved further and further away until it was nothing more than a small white dot. The Zodiac shifted its vector and ready for another attack. The computer graphic image of the Pegasus appeared larger on the Zodiac screen. Enemy suits, side screened. The Pegasus 3's defensive cannon fire was welcoming them with open arms. How many are there? Just one, and it's damn maneuverable. It's dancing all over the place. On the screen, the enemy mobile suit was taking a complicated course towards the Zodiac. This guy's skilled. Should be an expert with actual combat experience. It's a pity we have to kill him. In the Nero's cockpit, due to the constant changes in flight path, the starry sky displayed on the panoramic monitor continuously whirled and jerked around. That thing looks like a church spire. It's huge, but it's agile, Manning said. He continued to stare at the enemy on the monitor. It's damn fast, he exclaimed, and noticed the Neo's young crest on the mobile armor. Mang's opened fire and hit the Zodiac multiple times, but to no avail. Mang's thought if Tosh was controlling this beast, he hoped he would stop. Side asked if they should destroy this fly of a mobile suit, and Cray told him to ignore him. Meanwhile, Roots was expecting to fight two battleships and was preparing to fire when Crypt spotted the flagship bull run launched a signal flare. What? They're surrendering. Roots had difficulty identifying back in his training days the meanings behind various flares and flags. 
It is clear to him now that the enemy appeared ready to surrender. Roots and West were debating whether they wanted to surrender or whether it was a ploy to lure them in closer and then to attack. West noted that cannons were trained upwards and that their missile launchers were closed. Chongyun felt that they needed to verify the situation and ordered Sigmund Shade to accompany him to Penta. Roots shockingly was annoyed and cursed because that's all he ever could do. On board the Zodiac, Korean side noted the Pegasus adopted defensive posture and moved from their projective line of fire. Captain, I want to cut down the recharge time. Fine, it's your choice. Upon receiving Cray's permission, Side increased the amount of power supplied to the Mega Particle Cannon, increasing its rapid fire ability. The Zodiac once again changed its direction and moved away to attack the Pegasus 3's flight path. However, the Nero was still flying around unyieldingly, stopping them in place. Cray was annoyed by this pesky Nero. The Zodiac fired a ferocious beam. Manning's Nero quickly tried to make an inversion invasion, but it was a step too late. The white light swallowed and destroyed the Nero's white right leg. Could that be stolen? As the monitor showed the mobile suit's leg being blown off, memory of the one-year war awoke in Cray's mind. That honest man who had lost a leg to rescue a comrade in the wrong place at the wrong time. Captain, fire another shot. I'm sure I can get that suit. Side's finger depressed the trigger. Stop! Cray's yell was heard at the exact same time Side pulled the trigger. The white light sliced through Cray's mind. The Nero having lost its right leg and normal control functions disappeared in the beam generated by the Mega Particle Cannon. In his last moments, Mangs could only think of disgust in his heart, as if he were blaming himself for being unable to complete the mission. We've lost communication, Mang's suit. He throws expressionless when he heard the communication officer's report. A shot from the Mega Particle Cannon melted the armor plating on the deck's starboard side. Heathrow could not believe Mang's fate. Meanwhile, Roots boarded the bull run. He was angered to hear about his CAG's fate as well and thought he could not ever, never spar with him again. Roots used all of the strength in his body to slam it against the wall. The bull runs troops at his side could only watch the scene silently. Roots then suddenly turned around, tightly clenching his fist and approached Admiral Aino. Something and something was wrong. West quickly dashed forward and pinned Roots to the floor. What are you doing? Let me go! Watch he slaughter that bastard Admiral. No, Roots! Killing him wouldn't make anything any better. Besides, he's already surrendered. It's all over. Then who was the one who attacked the Pegasus 3? That was a new decides, not the Admiral. It appeared that Admiral Aino truly intended to surrender. Upon West's request, explosions could be heard coming from the firing platform on the bull run in Sekio one after the other, confirming that their cannons and missiles could no longer be fired. This was standard procedure when receiving a surrendering enemy vessel. The Admiral was very cooperative and had followed instructions accordingly. I take it a comrade of yours has died in battle, the Admiral asked West. He was our instructor. Was he? Between this battle and the last one, a lot of able men were lost. My son was among them. If he were still alive, 
he'd probably be a mid-ranking officer by now because I was his instructor. The Admiral gazed into the distance through the window and continued. The true objective of this battle was to force the Federation government to change its ways. In order to achieve this objective, sacrifice was inevitable. In today's society, which places so much emphasis on the minority following the majority, those differing opinions are discriminated against. Eventually, that will only lead to destruction. However, before that destruction arrives, if flesh, fresh blood can be exchanged for the attention of the majority, then that sacrifice will be deemed extremely worthy. Mayor Kaiser Pinefield shared these thoughts as well. West listened to what the Admiral had to say, then promptly launched, launched a punch under his chin. That's just your own view. You assumed that the people of this world would never want to respect each other, so you use violence to correct that? To me and others of the new generation, that's just insulting. How can we determine who is right or wrong? Yeah, we need those from the old generation to help us grow, but that doesn't mean they need to decide our future. If humans continue only to walk the path set by their predecessors, then we'll never make any progress. If you're really that determined to carry out your ideals, then instead of surrendering, you'd be doing what you said, sacrificing yourself to manifest your own worth. People like you only know how to ask others to sacrifice themselves. You were the real cause of your son's death. West retorted stunned roots and the admiral who had nothing else to say. At this point, they received the transmission from Chang Young. Roots, hurry up, they're escaping in the shuttles. Meanwhile, I I just killed another me. Why? Why'd you have to appear here? While sitting inside the mobile armor heading towards Penta, Craig can only repeat those few words. Captain, can you hear me? The shouts brought Cray back to reality. Oh, er, uh, sorry. The enemy ship has already lost its combat capabilities because they only sent one mobile suit. It's clear their attack squadron is already on its way to Penta. We need to rush back and escort the descent troops. Cray did not provide the actual reason for the retreat. He hoped that new battle would let him forget this painful memory. The three gigantic space shells had already loaded up all the mobile suits and troops and left Penta. They are now heading towards Earth, inside Shuttle 2. Offshore was hiding inside a sacred Zwei cockpit. He used his pellet gun to deal with the original pile of the suit, as he wondered about what happened once they occupied the car. He heard the shuttle intercom sound. Two enemy mobile suits are closing in. All troops prepare to attack. The enemy chooses to attack now of all times. Offshore could not think of any way to currently resolve the situation. However, the others they could swine in the storage cabin replied, Commander, how much longer before we enter the atmosphere? 30 minutes. We're sitting ducks if this goes on. Open the door of the storage cabin. I'm going out. Keep track of the time. Number one and number three have already sent out mobile suits. We can't afford to waste any more of our combat strength. Remember to rush back here before time's up. Understood. I will. You stay here. This time, the communication was switched to Offshore's cockpit. He heard that the other pilot was named Falazi, so he briefly lied. Hmm, I see. Understood, Falazi. Chung and Sigmund spotted the enemy suits leaving from the shuttle. Young fired one of his beam cans destroyed a shuttle carrying Zeku Ainz. Listen up, Sigmund. 
since we're in wave rider mode, we can enter the atmosphere, so don't worry about that. Just concentrate on attacking the space shuttles. Don't let up. Once you've used up all of your ammo, descend to Earth. Understood? Chang'an flew his Zeta Plus towards the Zeku Tsui, deployed by the number two and number three shuttles and prepared to intercept them. Suddenly they heard, Chang'an, don't you dare give out orders. I'm the commander here. It's only right that I give the orders. It was Roots leading the other two machines with his G-Corp fighter in an arrowhead formation. They had arrived at the scene. Your machine has no chance of breaking through the atmosphere and still being in good enough condition to fight. As the Gundam pilots continued bickering, Young spotted two Yuzekut Swai's approaching. He fired his beam cannons at them. Despite their clumsy appearance, they proved to be quite agile and evaded. Xiangyang transformed to mobile suit mode. Falazi in the lead, Swai ordered its wingmen to use the club or Sturmfaust, which is able to evade the non-guided warhead. As he looked down the tactical display of his linear seat, the word combine appeared. The other tactical choice was to retreat. Roots wasn't about that life. He asked Texan and Shin to look at theirs, which all said the same thing. Roots figured if that was their best choice, they needed to have some time. Chung Young, can you hear me? Roots yelled at the Zeta Plus, I was still stubbornly attacking at Zeku Tsui. What? Listen, we're gonna combine to help us buy some time. Consider it payback for what I owed you back on the moon. You're a pretty straightforward guy, you little bastard. Chung Young smiled as he destroyed the Zeku Tsui. Captain, the battle's already started. Hmm, sorry, step too late. Don't worry about aiming, Sai, just shoot and try to draw their attention. After rushing back from where the Pegasus Street was, the Zodiac once again transformed into an E-shape and fired its mega particle cannon without aiming. Gigantic beams flew into a straight line towards the Earth. What? A beam flew past Chang Young. He hastily searched the direction of where that beam had been fired and saw a gigantic machine with thick, heavy thrusters. It was closing into the combat zone. Ooh, a mobile armor. Great. A new toy. Chung Young quickly shifted and flew towards the mobile armor. By that time, the S Gundam had already begun its combination sequence, and Roots had also discovered the approaching mobile armor. We've got another new customer. Be careful, don't let them spit on you. Alright, combine. Roots forced down the combination lever. Guiding beams caused the three fighters to automatically align themselves, and the three fighters began to transform and close in on each other. The Zodiac saw this as well, and immediately sent its targeting crosshairs into combining S Gundam. It fired its mega particle cannon once more. I told you I won't let any of you die. That's a promise. That is what I owe you all. Suddenly, Chang'an the suit dashed in front of the beam. The Zeta Plus, upon taking the entire energy beam, turned to an expanding ball of fire and exploded into pieces. On the other end of the ball of light, as if possessed by a vengeful spirit, the S Gundam appeared with the blue earth as her backdrop. The stubborn, atmospheric wall was also slowly approaching them, one step at a time. For this week, we're going to talk about the Barzam. Officially, the Barzam did not appear in the novel, but it did appear in 
appear rather in the Gundam Sentinel Bible. If you've read the brief manga penned by Katoki-san, then you did see the Barzan briefly. They were the mobile suits on peasants that were not aligned with the new decides. Caught an offshore quilky dispatched to Barzan 10 years of their awesome Zeku Tsui, rather Zeku Ainz units. Since the second last chapter, there are no new mobile suits featured, I figure I'd discuss the Barzan, which was actually first seen in Zeta Gundam. The codename is RMS-154, uh, we'll talk about the Barzan refined specifically. For specifications, overall height 24.2 meters, height, head height rather of 19.38 meters, base body weight of 40.1 tons, uh, when totally uh, maxed out with weight, its total weight is out of 62.34 tons. Power generator output is 1,670 kilowatts. Mobile rocket thrusters has a total of four, able to produce each 20,300 kilograms of thrust each. Has eight attitude control verniers, a sensor effective range of uh, 9,870 meters. Its armor is based of a Gundalium composite, and for fixed armament, it has two beam sabers, standard output of 0.9 megawatts. The Barzan represents the last general-purpose mass-produced machine adopted by the Titans during the Grips conflict. In the middle of the Grips war, the battle with AU intensified and the absolute number of mobile suits became insufficient due to attrition. Therefore, along with cost reduction, it was necessary to develop a new general mobile suit uh, focused on simplification of the frame. It was also assumed that this would be based on the design of one of the current production machines. Within the Titan's technical team, the RX-178 Gundam Mark II served as a basis but was simplified without using the staff initially of the former Principality of Xeon. Although the Mark II base pro proposal was adopted, the final design ultimately did uh, also include former Principality of Xeon staff that were based in New Guinea which is manifest by the mono eyes on so many uh, Zeon, units, Zeon units. The refined Barzan borrows elements of the Mark II, specifically by using the backpack from the one RX-178. The add-on headpiece from the Mark II is also added to the refined Barzan. This piece adds the standard 60mm Vulcan to the mobile suit. The mobile suit is extremely mobile due to the avionics of the Gundam Mark II and it's also compatible with most other weapons from Federation mobile suits. It can be said that it's a high performance machine as a general purpose mass production type and it became the main mobile suit of the Titans, Titans at the end of the Grips War. The Barzim, as I kind of mentioned to before, uh, does, uh, is actually able to use standard handheld weapons such as beam rifles and clay bazookas that were used during this era. Normally at this point, we do a little bit of a deep dive or analysis for various themes, uh, but for this particular chapter, I didn't really think of anything that kind of leapt at my attention to sort of say, let's talk about this. So we'll have to wait until the next chapter to see. As with every episode, there are show notes that you could check out. Next episode and series finale, chapter 14, Earthlight. Mannings, dead. Chung Young, dead. S Gundam has his final battle with the new decides, and Alice awakens. Please be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gundam Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gundam Sentinel Podcast, 
or on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Gundam Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your Gundam-loving otaku friends to check it out. Until next time. <laughs>